Well, hello, friends. Uh, thanks so much for joining me again on our See Here Love podcast for our SOS series. Strum- sum- I was going to say Strummer of Strength. Summer of Strength. Welcome, welcome. I'm so glad you are joining us. And today we have someone who is going to strengthen you in all areas of rejection, trauma, unforgiveness. And when I say strengthen you, it means like encourage you to be someone who forgives. But in unforgiveness, in blended families, in, um, oh, so, so much in, in being in the valley and coming out of it. And the biggest one, the biggest topic that we talked about is, is recovering and healing from being unchosen. So I'm so grateful for our next guest, Nicole Langman, who is a clinical counselor and speaker in Ontario, Canada. Uh, she has a book out called You're Wanted, Reclaiming the Truth of Who You Are. And it's all about when you have been betrayed and rejected, how you can recover well and reclaim the truth of who you are in Christ. We had a great conversation. If you love the Yukon and adventure like I do, um, if you struggle with shame and shame and rejection from a divorce or a, a breakup, if you have felt unchosen uh, at your church, in your family, at school, then this is the conversation that I know will strengthen you and encourage you today. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Nicole Langman. Well, Nicole, it is so great to have you here on See Here Love and as a part of our SOS podcast series, Summer of Strength. And I know without a doubt that you will definitely be strengthening our listeners with your story, your thoughts, your incredible wise thoughts, Nicole. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. All right. Now, when I say, Nicole, you're part of our summer strength series, you know, your story is going to strengthen us. Uh, what comes to mind for you when I say strengthen or what do you think before I get into your story is something that you can encourage our listeners about strengthening them this summer? What would you say from your own personal story? What can you offer that will strengthen them? Yeah. Wow. That's a great question to kind of launch in with. I Right off the top. Right off <laughs> You know, as I think about my story and um, what, where I found my strength with, was obviously my strength comes from the Lord. And so um, in the summer, the summer is a great opportunity to just be spending some time outside and, be, and just be noticing where he is and who he is. But let me tell you that I have this thing I call God-isms. And uh, mm-hmm. the, the God-isms are the fingerprints that I notice in, in my life and because sometimes, especially if, for, for me in different times of my life, I have felt very, very alone. But when I'm noticing God's fingerprints in my life, that definitely kind of bolsters. It brings, it brings strength. And so summer is a great time to do that, to just get outside and just be noticing uh, where he's showing up. Favorite place to vacation visit be? Anywhere in the world. 
Yeah. So um, I love Europe and mm. I love I love Greece. And uh, we're heading there. We're heading there in the fall, actually. So that would definitely nice. be my, my uh, one of my favorites for sure. And Canada's pretty fantastic too. So, yeah. thank you for saying that. Like I love. I mean, I I lived in Asia. Nicole traveled all over the world. Love Europe. I mean, my husband and I a few years ago went to Italy, which was a dream for two weeks. So Italy was amazing. And I always oh. wanted to drive down the Amalfi Coast, and and so we rented a car, and it was like magical. Loved it. I love Greece. Santorini. Mm. It's beautiful. But Canada, I love Canada. Yeah. I think just the entire, this country from like coast to coast to coast, you go from like British Columbia, like BC, West, all the way to the East Coast, which I love. My parents had a cottage yeah. there for years in Nova Scotia. And then all the way up, I've been to the Yukon. Yeah. And then all Ontario. And I've been to like all, you know, the, the provinces. And, and I think I just haven't been to Newfoundland. Uh, I've been to all the East Coast provinces, and then I haven't been to uh, none of it. Wow. Um, and the Northwest Territories, but everywhere else. But I'm just saying, yeah. Canada is beautiful. I tell all Canadians, you've yeah. got to yes. discover this country. Yes, and how what a blessing to live in a place that's so diverse, from the West Coast to the East Coast, all the the from the landscape and the topography to the, even the cultures, and the and it's just a fantastic place to explore. I love it. Yeah. What's too. your favorite city or area in Canada? What'd you say? Okay, so I lived in British Columbia for 27 years, so I have to uh, I have to admit there's just something really special about BC, and um, I love the island. I love uh, Sook and um, Tofino over there is fantastic. And um, but last summer, my husband and I were up on our motorcycles in the Yukon. And wow. Yes. Right? So oh, we we sat so up there. The yeah. It's just yes. ri it's ridiculous up there. It's oh. just so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I, I worked in um just north of the BC border. Um in oh, wow. Watson Lake, Watson Lake, Yukon, where they have the okay. famous signs that you put up. I worked there two summers and I visited Whitehorse. Um, and then, um, I went up all the way to Dawson city. Good. Yes. And good then from the Dawson city, we drove up to uh top of the world highway yes. and, and, and went on there. And then I saw the most gorgeous Northern lights ever yeah. in the Yukon. Like it was so magical. Like I, the, the drive, the people, the landscape, yes. like Dawson yes. city was really fun. We camped out. My girlfriend and I, we took up her pickup truck, two <laughs> girls. And like camped on some island outside of Dawson City. Okay. And I was like, I don't know. I mean, it was kind of crazy. But anyway, it was just yeah. fun summer working. I, you know, I worked at the local hotel dining room. I worked as a grocery girl at the Super A. Wow. Um, I worked in the mining recorder's office, um, staking gold claims for businesses. Oh, yeah, it was crazy. It's like two summers I did like all kinds of things to make money. But the experience wow. was, was amazing. Well, and it is just its own culture up there. We spent a few days in Dawson City, and then we went okay. up to um, we went to the Arctic Circle on the bikes. But we have to take this um, just this nutty highway, the Dempster Highway, which is a dirt road. Yes. And it, and yes. but at the top of the Dempster Highway is this tiny little place called Eagle Plains, and I think it's a last stop for truckers before they get to uh, Northwest Territories, and we stayed there, we stayed yeah. there for a night, and I'll, t I'll tell you what, it was, 
it was literally, it was a hotel, a little restaurant, um, a gas station, and that was it. And you could see forever from the top of this, you know, Dempster Highway. It's amazing. And you just feel, because the sun doesn't set, right? You just feel Mm -hmm. like you're in a totally different, a totally different part of the world and a totally different, almost like on the moon almost, you know? It's such an interesting experience. Wow, you have done it. Yeah, I don't hear too many people, Nicole, talk about the Yukon. So that's really like amazing because... Yeah, they'll say, like, I've been to B.C. and maybe northern B.C., but a lot of people don't keep going yeah. up to the Yukon. So if Yukon um, Tourism is listening, Nicole and I would uh, oh. love to be ambassadors. Yukon <laughs> Tourism, listen. We're waving the flag. We're waving the flag. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Give us a call. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Nicole, you you said that you were in B.C. for 27 years. Is that right? That's right, yeah. And now you're in Ontario. Let's yeah. talk about your story because um, – you know, a lot of the themes of your story are are about, you know, rejection, betrayal and recovery and, and, you know, reclaiming the truth, which are all things that I love. And I know that a lot of our audience um, are in that same place, have been, are mm. working through, um, because those are some of those topics that we've talked about a lot on See Her Love. Mm. So I'd love to hear your story um, and what you've learned along the way. Mm. Well, I grew up here in Ontario, and uh, when I was um, a young adult, when I was about 20, I got uh, a little bit of the bug for BC. You know, the Dixie Chicks were playing loud at the Go West, you know, kind of story. And so um, and so off I went, and I built a life out there. I got married. I have, uh, I have a daughter, and um, I went through university. I got my undergraduate, my graduate degree, and then I opened a practice in Abbotsford, and uh, that was where, that was my home. I had church family, friends, a practice, and I felt like that was uh, my community. Uh, I'd come back here several times a year, obviously, to visit my family here and the people here, but it was uh, where I, I felt very much at home. And in 2016, my, my husband of almost 20 years announced that he was done. He was done with our marriage. He was done with our life together. Um, and... Uh, I was absolutely shocked, and mm. and uh, it turns out that there had been some behind-the-scenes things happening that I was unaware of, and the blind side of it rocked me at my core, and it catapulted me into the deepest valley of my life. I call the valley the valley of rejection, the valley of betrayal, and mm. I, I just face-planted in that valley. I didn't see it coming, and... Mm. Uh, and here's the thing. I was a therapist, right? So I'm a therapist. Mm-hmm. I have a practice in Barrie. I had a practice in Abbotsford. And you, but you don't see what you're not looking for. And, mm-hmm. uh, and right under my nose, uh, there were some things happening that were um, def- definitely not in line with our, with our marriage and our family. Mm-hmm. And so and with his decision to leave the family, that left me with a bit of a choice to make around um, how things were going to go now. What are the next seasons uh, that I'm going to kind of, that with that chapter ending. And, you know, when you get kicked out of your favorite club, the wife club is my favorite club, and uh, mm-hmm. I had gotten kicked out of it, and I felt like my identity was kind of, um, mm-hmm. you know, pulled out from underneath of me. And I didn't really know who I was and the ripple effect of divorce and loss, of course, as with many losses is that you lose friendships, people pick sides. Um, being unchosen is its own kind of, um, Mm. pain. And so Mm -hmm. I really kind of sat in the ripple effect of that. 
Um, I took myself at one point, about a year later, I decided, okay, God, so what am I doing here? What am I doing? Where am I going? Am I staying in, in British Columbia? Am I moving back to Ontario? And I took myself on a little retreat and I really felt God saying, it's time, it's time to move. And so I closed my practice and I moved back to Ontario. My daughter came with me and, and, uh, and so we've set up a practice here and I've set up a practice here and, and, uh, and I'm remarried to Brent and, and everything is beautiful. But I have to tell you that Valley, uh, I still have scars from that Valley and I still have, mm-hmm. uh, I still carry some of the, some of the things that are left over from that time. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful at this time to be, I'm still feeling connected to that season of my life because it was mm-hmm. there that I felt the most loved God rushed right in hard on me during that Valley and taught me all kinds of things, which is where this book was birthed. So that's kind Mm -hmm. of where the book came from was that Valley of rejection. That isn't, you know, I'm, I'm nodding a lot, Nicole, because some of these words and experiences were like what I felt when I went through my own divorce. And when my, you know, ex-husband, you know, just, out of the blue one day just said, I don't want to be married to you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is, and I, I, I was writing some notes as I'm listening to is, and I think he did it, said it so well, is being unchosen. Mm-hmm. We all want to be chosen. Yeah. We want to be chosen for the dodgeball game. We want to be chosen to be on the right soccer mm-hmm. team. We want to be chosen for the baseball team. When somebody, okay. the leader comes up and they choose you and they're picking sides. And so being chosen is I think really at the core and desire for us. And when mm-hmm. you are unchosen, yeah. so many feelings of rejection and unworthiness and shame and mm-hmm. a lot of shame from yourself more than sometimes than from others yeah. come in. And so I want to, I want to ask you that because you know, there are some people I know that are still in that p- place and it's so hard to get out of like the shame and rejection because they've now made that an identity and they mm-hmm. just can't untangle from it. Mm -hmm. because they've been so hurt right yeah you know what would you say to that because I know a few that are still there and I know there's a lot of listeners that are and they're like we're not on the other side yet we're still there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it is that valley that valley is um well I say that that's actually God's workbench right and so there we are we're face down in the valley rejection betrayal that feeling of worthlessness being unchosen mm-hmm. uh it can mm-hmm. it can absolutely wreak havoc in our identity because we are built for connection we're built for belonging we are mm-hmm. built for being chosen that's how God's created us and so when it happens when mm-hmm. we experience rejection it absolutely uh it really rattles our identity and so I really, what I really kind of came to in that valley was actually God's chosen me. He's mm-hmm. not only has he chosen me, he's woven me together. He's, he's pulled all the pieces together to create me and he pursues me every single moment of every single day. I'm so chosen by him actually that he was willing to, um, you know, give up his son. Jesus came down, pursued me on the cross And so there's this thing that happened to me when I really understood that when I'm chosen by the king of the universe, it doesn't, the the fact that some human being unchose me doesn't get to land the same way. When I compare it up against the truth of, of what's, what is actually true, 
Uh, it doesn't get to land the same way. And so my identity has to be connected to who God says I am. And that, it sounds a little bit like Christianese a little bit, and it's it's risky to say it out loud. But when you're in that spot and you're like, okay, well, what is my identity rooted in? Because the opinions of others are, are they're kind of fleeting. They're they're fickle, really. Yes. And uh, yeah. but God's God's opinion isn't fickle. It's solid. It's rooted in um, in His love for us and His. Uh, we're made in His image. And so when I really l- let myself believe what He says about mm-hmm. us, then I was able to see my identity not as someone's wife or not or not as a divorced woman, right? Because you spend some time mm-hmm. thinking you're you know wearing this scarlet letter. My yeah. identity is in Jesus alone. He knows the truth. He knows me. He sees me. He chooses me every second of every day. And when that identity got a hold of me, things started to change for me. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I think that is a good lesson for us to, to think about and process. Like after people listen to this podcast, you know, to kind of go away and think about that. Because so much of our identity and worth is based on what other people think of us, yes. what other people say about us. Um, and, and, and our own thoughts. I mean, a lot of like self-condemnation happened with me, you know, when you're sitting alone in the, or you're in the fetal position and then it all comes on you and you're like, I'm just speaking like words of like unkindness and hatred over me. And and you just can't get out of it. It's like, why would he leave me? Am I so horrible that he would leave and do that? Am I such a horrible wife? Um, Mm -hmm. was I not enough? Like, and it just keeps piling and piling and piling and piling. And then I really had to figure out, yeah, it was heavy. And I had to really figure out how to speak kindly to myself and to give space from that and actually look at things really objectively on what was going on. So honest about my response, but like my, I had to be really honest, Nicole, about, you know, the demise of my marriage, there was responsibility on my part in some areas that came really clear when I went to my therapist. Yeah. There was very clear things on his part. And I think when I owned my part and worked on that, that changed everything. And I, I think as a better woman and, and wife and mm-hmm. partner now to Chris, um, but man, that was a journey. That was not an overnight thing. <laughs> no, it, healing is the real deal. Like it's, it absolutely yes. is a process. And I'm so glad that you mentioned the words that you speak to yourself. I, in, as a therapist, I talk to women all the time about what are the words you're saying to yourself about mm. yourself? We have to be so yeah careful with our language to ourselves and one of the one of the um things i ask women to often do when they come in and they've they've they're heaping these words of shame on themselves yeah uh, as i say okay so let's write down these words what are the messages that you're that you're saying to yourself mm-hmm. about yourself we put them on a, a piece of paper and i'll say okay so i want you to think of someone you love in your a child you love in your life would you say these words to them and of course not, right? You think of your child, mm-hmm. you say these awful words, them. of course not. Well, why is that? Well, because it would hurt them and it would harm them and it would have a long-term effect on them. Yes, mm-hmm. the same is true for us. We need to be heaping life-giving words onto ourselves um, instead of the berating that we often find ourselves doing. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's a shift. That's a really difficult shift when you've been rejected or unchosen or betrayed and you're spending a lot of time just spinning in the cycle of what is wrong with me and we collect material to prove that there's something wrong with us when we need to be reminding ourselves that actually this is what God says about you. You're chosen, you're mm-hmm. pursued, you're wanted, you're adored, you're all of the things. Um, mm-hmm. And he says that we're, uh, that we're enough. Mm-hmm. That's the so language good. counts. So good. Yeah. What was the process for you, Nicole? Um, 
in forgiveness. Because <laughs> I wanted to hold on to all the rights I had to be angry at him and not yeah. forgive him because this is what he did, right? I mean, I, I went through that phase. Yeah. I withheld all kinds of love, forgiveness. I didn't even use those words. I shunned those words from my life. Because <laughs> I'm like, no, he doesn't deserve that. He is unworthy of that for me to give. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a long process for me, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and there's still moments, like, I'm like, but for you, how, how, because I think with a child, like, I didn't have any kids coming in or mm-hmm. co- leaving, you know, uh, the marriage. You had a child, like, you know. Mm-hmm. What, what was that process like for you, the forgiveness journey? Oh, wow. That is a big, that's a, that's a big <laughs> journey. So forgiveness isn't not, is not a one and done. I'm sure just like no. you said, which is so yeah. exactly right. We have this sense of like, there's like this moment where we're like, you know, I'm, I'm unforgiving and now I'm forgiving. And that is not the way that it works at all. Forgiveness is a process. It's a decision. Mm-hmm. I write in my book um, about forgiveness. And, and one of the things I really want to be able to say is I forgive because God forgives me. And I couldn't get my head around that. I couldn't it, what had happened was wrong. It was not okay. Mm-hmm. I was justifiably angry. This was, this was not okay. And I had been the victim of a very bad thing like yourself. And I, and I, I didn't want to forgive because it felt like that was letting him off the hook. And I didn't want to let him off the hook because he deserved to be squarely on the hook. And, yes. uh, and so I, uh, I wanted to hold on to that, but I also wanted freedom. I wanted joy. I wanted peace. I didn't want to spin mm-hmm. in the, in the way that it felt to be unforgiving. So I, uh, I was really grateful. I love it when, uh, when God shares like little kind of messages with us when we're in our devotions and I felt him say, um, it hurts my feelings. It hurts my feelings when you don't forgive. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, I don't, I do not want to do that. I do not want to hurt his feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to hurt the feelings of the men who, who um, dove into that valley with me and, and rescued me from um, myself, from the pain. The, I didn't want to hurt him. Um, mm. I confess I did want my, my ex-partner to hurt, but it wasn't mm-hmm. even about him because forgiveness isn't about the other person. Forgiveness is about, is about me, me being in line with um, who, God, who God has called me to be. Mm. And so when I thought of sitting across the table from Jesus and saying, yeah, no, I'm not going to wow. forgive him. And his face saying, this hurts my feelings. I, I would do anything to not hurt his feelings. Right. So mm-hmm. I was like, I just going to, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to begin the pr- process of forgiveness because I don't want to hurt your feelings, God. Not because, not because mm-hmm. of anything else, just that. And then that became a daily decision. And part of the thing that is, uh, shows up for me is that if I pray for someone, it's hard to hold re- uh, anger towards them. So um, <laughs> someone had suggested I start, <laughs> I start praying for him. Mm-hmm. And that was its own interesting little thing. So I, yes, I got I, that too. And I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> the no, first time I, I heard that, I was like, yeah. <laughs> No, I'll pray for everything else. I'll pray for the weather. I'll pray for all the people I don't know overseas and other places. But but I'm not doing that. No, exactly. Not him. He doesn't deserve it. He doesn't deserve my prayers. Prayers. I I know. And I and I actually told the person who suggested I said, Can you just can you stop talking? (laughs) Please stop talking. (laughs) I don't this is I don't know why you thought that was a good idea to say that to me, but um anyways, so eventually though, in my softening Mm. towards God, because God loves 
him. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I just, I just needed to follow the prompting in my heart around the Holy Spirit. So uh, from the Holy Spirit. So I just, I let God take the wheel, right? I was like, okay, I don't know how to do this forgiveness. It's too big. It's bigger than me. I don't know how to forgive, but mm-hmm. I'm going to follow your lead and I don't want to hurt your feelings. And so I started to, um, journal. I started to research forgiveness. I started to every day just decide that when I was having unforgiveness feelings, I would say, here you go, Mm -hmm. Lord, I'm choosing to forgive today. And I would focus on something different because we can get spinning in the resentment and the bitterness, uh, what that resentment brings or that unforgiveness brings. Right. And Mm so, you know, kind of trying to continually give over is a, is a process. And then when we see our children hurting, you're like, I got to forgive all over again. I got to do this again. Right. So mm-hmm. like there's multiple layers to forgiveness. And so we have to be, um, patient with ourselves and gracious with ourselves. And if you need help from a Christian counselor, access a Christian counselor to work through some of that forgiveness piece, because the mm-hmm. freedom on the other side of it is worth the work. So good. Hi, this is Becca, the associate producer of See Here Love, interrupting this great conversation to let you know that there are more shows and great content and blogs at seeherelove.com and our YouTube channel. Content to help you and give you tools as you care for your mental health, relationships, being single, being married, family issues, your self-confidence. We're here for you to help you find joy and small wins in your every day as we lean into relationship with Jesus and intentional community. So check us out at seeherelove.com. And if you want to help us keep making this kind of content, you can donate to us at seeherelove.com slash donate. And really, to keep Melinda and I working and with jobs, donate. And finally, if you found this episode inspiring, please take a moment to share it with someone who would enjoy it and to rate and review our podcast. It really helps. Now back to Melinda. Another just light question for you, Nicole. We're just going light and <laughs> we're going light. surface. Oh, just surface night. No, I know. Get ready. So <laughs> I've gotten this question a number of times. Now that, you know, you're remarried, I'm remarried. There's a number of women and men I know who are like, when do you know you're ready to go and get married or be in another relationship? Like for some reason at the, in the church, it's like a three year. I don't know where that came from, but you're okay after three years to start dating or get married again. But anything less yeah. than that, and I'm saying three because I, but yeah. somewhere there are people that create these like timelines for people and then if if it's if if it's too soon like oh my goodness you're now dating and getting married in a year it's like oh my gosh it's so soon and then if it's like way too long people are like are you scared what's wrong with you like get back in the Mm -hmm. dating pool right Mm -hmm. what would you say for you would maybe be markers when you realized you were ready to open your heart again Mm -hmm. and and begin a new relationship because I, I had to do the same thing and my yeah. story is really different in that met but it took us a long time until we got married and it was just because he you know Chris had children and yeah. I didn't want to marry a pastor at the time a worship leader or anybody with kids and he was oh, wow. all free yeah. and more I didn't Perfect. want him to like I'm not even joking <laughs> and I and I said that to my therapist and she put it on a board and then when she met me uh, a while later, when I was starting to date Chris, she brought out the board, which I'm like, why do you do that? And then she puts all the things I said no to, which actually were the things that I actually were deeply um, things that I, I love. I love a pastoral heart, someone who loves theology. The kids have really opened myself into a different way of life and understanding mm-hmm. and love. Anyway, but 
I'd love to hear your thoughts because I get this question a lot and I've had a, a, from quite a number of viewers who've asked me, when do you know you're ready and, mm-hmm. and, what's, and, uh, and what's a healthy time to then get, open yourself up again? Oh yeah. I get that question a lot. Too. <laughs> I think it's a great question. And, um, mm. and I mean, I would love to hear how, how you, like how you knew what the, were the markers for you. Yeah. Hmm. You know, I, I think the first thing was I, as soon as I was on the market, quote unquote, mm-hmm. I will be honest, I was terrified and it, yeah. and it didn't help that there were guy friends of mine that all mm-hmm. of a sudden started acting not as friends anymore. Right. Yeah. And there are people in, and mm-hmm. I'm in Christian ministry, Nicole. So there were people that kind of like went like wildfire around the Christian ministry world. Yeah. Yeah. And I was getting people that were all kinds of men trying yeah. to connect with me over Facebook and stuff, which really scared me. Like I actually then kind of like, I actually stopped going to church and other things. I didn't want to be seen by people because people kept asking me or I was, it, I was just getting, I know men were just kind of coming up to me and it just was getting crazy. So I kind of, I hid, which yeah. for a year, I'll be honest, I lied about, where I was at, I didn't tell anybody I was separated. Like there was a lot of things that yeah. when I think back about just how wounded I was and how I protected myself. Um, and I met Chris and here's what's so funny mm. at an event where I didn't want to go to, I was not even looking for a relationship. I was like, so not there. I'd gone through good therapy. I felt good. I still felt a little wounded. I think you do, mm-hmm, sure. but I was just like, not even there. And um, yeah, it was, uh, he came up to me and I'm pretentious, really chill. Didn't even know I was in Christian TV. Didn't know, didn't know. Then this is what I did love, Nicole. He didn't know anything about me. That's he cool. didn't know that I was on TV, that I yeah. had a podcast show or a radio show, like none of that. He didn't know. And I think that was one part because in the line of work that I am, a lot of people want to kind of be in this world. So I had a lot of people, a lot of men that knew me, heard, watched me try to reach out. Yeah. But Chris had no idea, <laughs> which was so refreshing. And then I don't know what it was, a kindness to him, a gentleness. Mm-hmm. He was so open and, and knelt down to listen to me. And I all of a sudden, it was like I opened up. Mm-hmm. It was like I didn't feel afraid. I, I immediately trusted him, which was weird because I my heart was very locked. Yeah. Um, and he was kind of, you know, I will say to Nicole, he was outside of my world, like sort of the evangelical world. He was actually a United church minister. So he actually lived in the mainline world where I was in this sort of like evangelical world. Mm-hmm. And that's why there was no connection, which I loved. Yeah. And I love that he wasn't gaga over me in that way. I love that he was just chill and yeah, there's so many things. And I think, I don't know. I think because I, that's an, so I'm glad you asked me that because that when I think about it, it's like I just opened and because I was so closed and so mm-hmm. heard, and it felt like he could be trusted. Mm-hmm. And it was slow though, like we dated and really slow, and then he had kids and he didn't want me to meet his kids for at least a year until we knew, and so mm-hmm. for our whole year it was like we just dated without the kids and we kind of just took yeah. our time and we we're still going to therapy separately. Yeah, good. But then I knew. Then, then, you know, and I know it's, I'm asking you the question. I'm kind of like trying to articulate it and it's like, yeah, it's hard, but 
It's good. It sounds like he had such good wisdom too in that. And I think that that helps uh, as well. But I, I, I remember the, I, I, I remember sliding off my chair onto my floor in the middle of a panic attack one day. This is still living in Abbotsford before I'd moved back to Ontario. And I was having a panic attack. I didn't know what else to do. So I put the Bible, I put my Bible on my face and I just like was pleading with God to just heal me. Can you just heal me? Mm. And I, when I was able to kind of gain my breath again, I, I cried out to him. I was like, God, I do not know how I'm ever going to trust a man again. How do I ever trust a man again? And I felt in my heart him say, you don't need to worry about that right now. You just need to trust mm. me. And so because Melinda, what you're saying is exactly right. It was open season, right? Like you're talking about is like, it's like, there's this like information that somebody's single and now all of a sudden it's like open season. My friend Debbie says, ah, it's like open season on you. What the heck is going on? Right. So yeah. you feel like, okay, so I've been, I've been betrayed. I've been rejected. I don't trust men. And now, now there's this yes. influx of <laughs> potential problems. And I was like, I do not want anything to do with y'all. Right. I just want you, yeah. can you just for, forget about me? Right. And, um, and so I was quite guarded too. just what you're saying is exactly right. I was so guarded and I was mad at the whole gender. I was mad. Right. And so I really had to, I really had to work through that. That was part of the healing that needed to happen for me. And so for me, what the markers were, if I'm thinking about it, and as you're speaking, I think we're probably, uh, you know, maybe some similarities here is that I started to, um, identify less with what had happened to me and more with mm. where I was going. Good. And so exactly. that, that was a pivot point for me where I, I had, you know, I often say you can't wave the victim flag and the victor flag at the same time. So I had mm. to choose, I had to put one down and I admit that because something bad had happened and I felt very ripped off, my whole life had changed. I lost my membership in my favorite club and, and the rumors and the mm. things that happened I was waving this victim flag because I was justified in it. And I, and I was very attached to that. This was wrong and it was very wrong. And, but when I lost some of my identity to my victim identity and started to kind of hold on to that victory identity, that's when I started to notice, uh, I just felt different. And when I would think about the pain, it wouldn't, it wouldn't evoke an emotion from me. And so yeah. I started to start to, I started to just notice that my response to the pain was different. And I felt further from the pain and the trauma and more connected to the forward movement. So that was when I knew that there was, there was potential <laughs> for healing mm -hmm. and trust again. Right. And similar to you, I had to, I, God brought me someone that I, uh, could trust. And there was all these different things that showed up long before anything moved in that direction mm -hmm. that were, that were things I needed that I didn't even know I needed in order to kind of secure healing on the trauma side of things. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't know about you, but at the front end of trauma, we often have dreams. We have, you know, different smells, different noises, different places we go, evoke emotions and feelings. And when those things are still there, it's maybe not quite time to move forward just yet. There needs to be some healing in those areas. And when I noticed those were shifting for me, it felt like I was freed up a little bit to move forward. How did you meet your husband now? Okay. My husband was my first boyfriend he was the first man I was ever in love with. Um, 
it's nuts. We grew up in the same youth group, and I, I was in love with him from the time I was 14 to 16. There's evidence of it. I have wow. a book of poetry and letters I've written to him. It's a binder. It's traveled the world with me, this binder. And uh, I practiced my signature when I was 14 years old. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we dated. We dated um, for a few months until uh, he decided I was, I wasn't, I was too young for him. I was, I'm actually four years younger than him. And so at the time yeah. it was, it was quite a large age difference, yeah. you know? And yeah. so now it's not uh, from mm-hmm. his perspective, but I'm the younger one. I'm, anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, so that, that changed. So that relationship came to an end. He went on. Uh, in his life, and I moved out to British Columbia shortly after, not well, a couple of years later, I guess. And then um, uh, through a series of events, so our friend, our families are very, very good friends, and have always been really good friends. Okay. And uh, small town stuff, and same church. We used to do family Christmases together when we were, you know, as teenagers. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's a very, very long story. But the bottom line is, uh, we uh, we just naturally came back together on this side of things. That's incredible. Yeah. So, okay, yeah, not how many years, because then we could be like, okay, well, you know, how old are we? But that's incredible. Yeah. Like, you knew each other in your teen years. Yeah. And then, as adults, you end up yeah. marrying mm-hmm. after 30. two other marriages. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yes. Ended. Yes. Yeah, so, Unbelievable. Yeah. And, um, and the... You know, there's Brent and I have very different stories. Brent lost his wife to cancer, and and uh, okay. um, and has you know and traveled that journey in their marriage. Mm-hmm. He, he had a, a wonderful relationship with his wife, and um, and so and, and I honor that and respect that and value that very much. Mm-hmm. And so he coming into a relationship with me, his his um, you know, I say baggage, but you know what I mean. It's not really baggage for both yeah. of us. We we come in with different things into the relationship. I have trust issues. He doesn't. Um, yeah. and he's just steady. He's just ready to kind of just, um, honor my process mm-hmm. and recognize that I've got some things that I've, I've, I've shown up with that, uh, sometimes flare up, sometimes flare up still. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and he's just yeah. been so just gentle and gracious with me. So yeah. Amazing. Yeah. You know, it's amazing to me. I often say like, God gave me my first love back and, uh, and what a beautiful gift to me. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Blended family. I'm always, you know, that's another thing. I've done a couple shows on blended family. Now, for me, I, again, like I said, I didn't bring any children into the marriage, but Chris has two, Sophie and Nathan. Uh, Sophie's now 15. Nathan will be almost 18. But that's been a big topic for a number of people because the family unit is looking very different than it was years ago. You know, and people said, oh, the family, you know, mom, dad, two kids, or three kids and a dog, Mm -hmm. you know, that have there's been no divorce, there's no bonus parents, right? But now, um, families look so, so different. Yeah. So, so different. Uh, what would your encouragement be, Nicole, to those that may be struggling in blended family? Either at the beginning, they're just entering, it's in the middle, they're in it, and, yeah. well, maybe not say end, but you know what I mean, like in mm-hmm. it, because I there's a lot of other challenges with that. Sure. I mean, every family has challenges, but there's, additional i believe challenges within a blended family context yeah it's you are so right about that the blended family dynamic is is really challenging and uh and i struck i 
I struggled at it. And I think that Brent and I both were, you know, we're honest about some of the struggles that we have. So between the two of us, we have three adult children. And, um, mm. and so it's a little bit different because we weren't coming in with small children into our home, which I think is a different right. dynamic altogether. But these children had all, all three of them had experienced considerable amount of trauma just in different ways. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, you lose a parent to death, very traumatic. You lose a parent to divorce, very traumatic. Um, and so, yeah. you know, we're, we're bringing in our own leftover stuff and we're also bringing in the children's leftover stuff. And they often, they didn't ask for this, right? This isn't, this wasn't, right. this isn't the thing that they want. And so we feel, you know, our children mm-hmm. are, we're asking them to be very, very adaptable. So patience is really important. And, um, and that can be really hard because we're like, let's just move forward with this. Let's everybody be happy and kumbaya. And that is yeah. not the way that it usually <laughs> goes at first, for yeah. sure. And uh, one of the things I found in my devotions, I was having a little bit of a bad attitude and I was wrestling with God around some of the struggles I have with my story. I'm like, I don't know that this is the story that I really wanted, God. If you could, you know, uh, some of the, and, and, um, and, you know, there's some challenges in adapting to this new life. And in my devotions one morning, I felt him ask me this really important question. I, I heard him say, can I trust you with whom and what I've entrusted to you? Hmm. And, you know, I was kind of taken aback by it because I felt like maybe my bad attitude had brought on this question. And, but it definitely changed my perspective a little bit in that if I believe I'm supposed to be with Brent then that means I also have a very important role in the lives of his kids and vice versa. And so uh, Mm. I believe that God's given this man to me. And that means he's supposed to be part of uh, my daughter's life and I'm supposed to be part of his children's life. And, and, uh, and, and that's a high responsibility and God doesn't take this lightly. And so I have to be trustworthy with his kids And that was a perspective shift for me a little bit around, okay, these aren't, you know, okay, the the challenges are here. I have to do this well. I have to honor God's um, trust and, uh, and what he's asking me to do. And that's a, that can be really, really hard. So, you know, patience and prayer and Mm -hmm. having open communication with your partner and talking to outside sources, like a good Christian counselor around how do we integrate well, Um, you know, developing uh, individual relationships, not necessarily depending on the, I guess the age of the children, but I was just wanting to be friends in a sense, right? Like I just, I'm not your mom. Mm. I just want to be someone who can care about you and love on you. And, uh, and, and trying to maybe, you know, I'm not trying to fill anyone's shoes because that's the thought, isn't it? With our kids is like this person's trying to step into the shoes of someone that they don't, it's not, you know, not their shoes to step to fill. So it's a tough one. It's a huge, huge question, huge conversation. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when I was, I was interviewing a woman and it changed cause about blended family on non see here love, but I was co-hosting another show called full circle. Mm-hmm. And she said that she actually doesn't even say stepmom or stepdad. Mm-hmm. It's bonus, bonus mom and bonus dad, right. because they were like, especially for kids, they already have a mom Yes, or they already have a dad. And so to get that, you know, depending on stage and age, but the confusion of it. So mm-hmm. just like a, you know, bonus parent or, you know, mm-hmm. the kids called me Mel for so long. I said, Hey, just call me Melinda mm-hmm. because, you know, they were really close with their mom. And so, yeah, there's a lot of learning in that. Yeah. It's been quite a journey. Um, 
you know, I know there's a lot of people that are struggling or some that are, it's been an easy, you know, transition, but I think what you said, Nicole, about, you know, being patient, open communication. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because a lot of people can write about things of how to do it, but your kids and your situations are different oh, oh, in oh, so many ways, yeah, right? Exactly. So, yeah. Uh, you know, in, in your bio and within your book, there's a lot about, you know, I love, you know, you're wanted, recre- reclaiming the truth of who you are. As we finish up this conversation, um, what would be your encouragement to a woman who's, you know, has gone through what we've gone through and is really struggling with it? Or, or somebody who's just really like, whether it's divorce or anything, but just has felt rejected and unchosen, you know, her whole life mm. for in, in many areas at work with her own family, her only family, her own family of origin, with friendships. Mm-hmm. Do we get into the church? That's what that'll be another podcast yeah. to do. But I mean, so many, yeah. so many places where people have been unchosen yes. and keep being unchosen. Mm-hmm. And, and, and on the flip side, we're, you know, there could be people who have unchosen people as well. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I, when I was sitting there listening to it, it's kind of like, have I been on the other end of that to somebody? No kidding. And have been a part of that, right? Yeah, that's good. I know it's a big question, and we have a little bit of time, but I'd love for you to sort of just sort of do an encouragement um, to that person who's feeling that way today. Mm-hmm. Well, first, I would say to you, if that's you, um, feeling unchosen, feeling that you haven't fit in or measured up, or that there's been circles closed in that you're not part of, or you've been... Um, You've had someone who is supposed to love you well, not love you well. My words would first be that I'm very sorry that that happened. And that Mm. that message, that unloving, unkind message has been communicated to you somehow. And, And then I would challenge you to hold on to the truth about yourself. Because what we know to be true about rejection is that the rejection act itself isn't often the problem. It's the, it's the interpretation that we give the rejection, what we assume it means Mm. about ourselves. And so that goes back to, you know, Melinda, what you said earlier about the language. So if someone turns their back on me, I am, I own that as about something about myself, but what we know to be true is that we are, we're just not rejectable. We're not rejectable. We're chosen. We're woven together. We are priceless. Mm. And so the message of the humans uh, in in your life that have harmed you, I want you to stand, I want to stand with you, stand against that, and in the knowing that there is nothing that anybody can do or say that changes your worth or your value in any in any way. So to be challenging that narrative in your head as best as you can. Um, mm-hmm. And so on, on the heels of that, then I would also go back to one of my favorite women in the Bible, the Samaritan woman at the well. And I identify very closely to this woman and the life that she lived, we can assume probably was full of rejection. It was full of rejection. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, that we had, she'd been married five times. Um, We know that at the time that women, men could divorce women for any reason. She didn't, they didn't like what she cooked. They didn't like it. This woman has probably lost husbands to death, probably lost husbands to divorce. She would have lost circles, social circles. And she was making her Mm -hmm. way to the well in the middle of the day because that was when other people wouldn't have been going. So I imagine the shame was thick for this woman. And I cannot wait to have coffee with her one day because what we know to be true mm-hmm. is that Jesus showed up 
waited for her, right? He rerouted his plans. He waited for her at the well, sent the disciples off to town, and he waited one-on-one for one-on-one time with this Samaritan woman. That's how important she was to him. And he waited for her. And she came in, in one conversation, just who knows, whether it was 10 minutes or an hour with Jesus, doesn't even, it doesn't even matter. One conversation with Jesus and her entire life changed. And she went back, she left her jug at the well, she ran back. I can just picture her holding her dress. She ran back to the community and many people were saved that day because of her testimony. All she needed was that time with Jesus. And, and in my experience, that's where we get filled up. That's where we start to really understand who we are. Mm. Nicole, beautiful. This conversation really encouraged me. I think when you meet someone that's, that's kind of gone through the same things, it just sort of automatically feels this kindred spirit, this connectedness. And I, I just felt that after this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it was good. It was good to kind of share uh, a bit of the journey. I mean, there's so much more yeah. we could do, yeah. you know, five-hour podcast and interview. But, um, yeah, it's great. And it's great that, like, I, it's, it's amazing. I've never met you. Yeah. I've never connected in this way. And so I think I love that when I, when I meet new people and I know that you reached out on our see her love website, which was awesome. And that I was getting those messages and I I go to my coordinator, Kelly, like, um, please connect with her. Check this out. (laughs) She looks amazing. And so, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, and so for all the people that do send messages to websites, there are people that do read them. (laughs) So keep doing it. You don't hear Right. If you don't hear for a while, we do read them. So don't give up. If you're trying to get in touch with somebody, yeah. you just never know. But that's how it happened. Yeah, it was. Awesome. And I'm so glad. So glad. And so, Nicole Langman, thank you so much. I know here that you have a book. The book uh, is called You Are Wanted, Redeeming the Truth of Who You Are. Is that right? You Are Wanted, Reclaiming the Truth of Who You Are. Yeah. Of who you are. Yeah. Excellent. And your um, practice is up near Barrie, which is for some people north of Toronto, correct? That's right, yeah. Okay, and your website for people to connect with you? Yeah, NicoleLangman.com. Nice and simple. Yeah, nice and simple. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, Nicole, I hope you have a wonderful summer that you will be strengthened. Yes. Um, in, you know, the power of God's spirit mm. and in in the sweetness and kindness of his words and life. Mm. Uh, that Jesus would continue to inspire you as you follow him and are led by him. So we're cheering you on in all that you do. I know that we'll connect again, but thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you for this. I'm kind of jealous that uh, Nicole took her motorbike up to the Arctic Circle with her husband. And I feel like I want more adventure like that. After we ended our conversation, uh, she told me that they're going to – Uh, Italy and Spain and renting a car to drive around the Amalfi Coast, which is what I did with my husband a couple of years ago. And I love her adventurous spirit. I love that God has redeemed her life, that her first love became her now love. And it's so beautiful how God redeems and gives us second chances. So as you are, as you were listening, um, I hope you're just encouraged that you are chosen by God that you can forgive, that God can give you and will give you a second chance, that if you're in a blended family, it's hard, but be patient and have open communication. And if you are in the valley, the dark valley, face planted like Nicole was in the valley, God is the good shepherd 
will bring you through, will restore your life as long as you choose him, choose to move forward and be courageous. So as you do, as I always love to say, know this in this journey of reclaiming your truth and rewriting your narrative, you are seen, you are heard, and you are deeply loved by God. Thanks for joining us and we will see you next time. Thank you for your ongoing support of Crossroads, a supporter-funded nonprofit organization and member of the Canadian Centre for Christian Charities. Thanks to faithful people like you, we are able to continue producing See Here Love. You can write to Crossroads, PO Box 5100, Burlington, Ontario, L7R, 4M2, or visit crossroads.ca to learn more about our programs.